0: welcome to i quit blank and started running a podcast featuring people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives join me each week when i share inspiring stories of where they started what it was that made them want to change how running factored in and where they are today i am your host antonia de heinrich and today we are hearing from emily Emily started running as a way to get out of the house and away from her abuser, literally and figuratively. Even during her darkest days, running was her anchor, the one thing she could count on. Join me as Emily recounts her remarkable journey from relationship hell, to losing her children and being homeless, to getting herself back on her feet and regaining happiness, all powered by running. Good morning, Emily. Um, so glad to have you here today. I'm extremely excited that you are willing to share your story with us. And um, yeah, I would love to just jump in with a brief introduction.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do?
1: So I am Emily. Um, I live in Massachusetts and um, I'm a runner, I'm a mom. Um, I work in public health at a hospital um, and I'm actually an on-call firefighter too, so. Wow, I didn't know that part. <laughs> cool. Yeah, just throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, right, because you're not busy at all already. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm also a really big advocate for um, women surviving domestic violence, um, so.
0: Right, which we're gonna yeah. get into in a minute. So just to warm up, when was your most recent run and how did it go?
1: Um, so I actually ran this morning. Um, I did four miles and it was all right. It, um, I went on the bike path and it was, it was beautiful. So
0: Good. Is, are there a lot of people out right now um, or is it still pretty?
1: Uh, I go early enough where there's not too many people and it's mostly just runners and bikers. So I mean, the, we pass each other very briefly and it's, it's fine.
0: Yeah, That's awesome. Well, at least you can get outside, you know? I mean, it is, uh, it is a beautiful time of the year and, and this is a great time to just get outside and run.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So speaking of running, your introduction to running initially came more or less through lack of options. You were pretty much not allowed to go to the gym.
1: So tell yeah. us why
0: that was and what happened.
1: Okay. So, um... I had just gotten out of a divorce, and I was—I think—I was lonely, and my confidence was just super low. And um, I ended up meeting a man who we instantly connected, and things started progressing um, faster than I think I was aware of. But um, he became very abusive, and very jealous, and possessive, and. For whatever reason, the gym, he felt like I was going to meet someone there and I was going to like run away with them. Um, And so I, I, he basically was just like, I don't want you to go to the gym. And it it had gotten to the point where I just was tired of fighting about it. Um, But I knew that I I needed to get out of the house. I needed to do something because my mental health was just like really deteriorating at that point. Um, So I started running and previous to that, like I, I had no running experience. I don't really consider myself like an athletic person. I didn't do sports in high school. Um, so I started running and it was tough. <laughs> it was really hard at first.
0: Yeah. I, I remember my first run. It was a totally different story, but I remember it being tough and then just getting easier. And and then you start actually enjoying the benefits. So, So tell us your story about meeting this guy and your relationship and how that sort of, um, developed, let's put it that way. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. So like I said, I was just in a really vulnerable place and I met this man and he was just like seemingly perfect. Um, you know, he was charming and he was funny and he was very laid back and easygoing. Um, and it, we just instantly connected. And I felt like at the time that was, the path that I was supposed to be on um like I said things things move very quickly and it was very overwhelming but at the beginning it was all good right so um so I so I kept seeing him until you know we ended up moving in together and that's kind of when things started to change and and before that I had friends who were like eh, you know he seems a little possessive or there's something off about him and um I guess I just wasn't seeing it, or I wasn't believing what they were saying, um, or I felt like they had some issue with me um, wanting to move on, Um, and I would mention that to him, and I would kind of, you know, say, like, yeah, they they don't really like you, and he would give all these reasons why they didn't, and, and I believed him. You know, and slowly my relationships with my friends and my family um, started, they just started going away. And it was slow and it was gradual. And it was one of those things that I don't think I noticed until one day I just realized like, wow, I don't really see my friends anymore. And like, I'm not going to my family's house to hang out like I used to. Um, And I became very, very isolated um, and really depressed. And when he did start abusing me, um, I was really embarrassed. Um, so like a little bit, the back story is that I did, I was working for a police department um, and I was helping with um, the opioid epidemic and we would respond to calls and I would see a lot of domestic violence in the calls we would respond to. And I kind of always thought like, you know, that's terrible and that's awful, but that could never happen to me, right? And, and then it did. And I was so ashamed. Um, And I thought that it was my fault. And I thought that if I had done something different, or if I um, basically just didn't mess up at all in our relationship, that the abuse would stop or that he would not feel the need to lash out the way that he was. And I took on a lot of the responsibility. um, And it was completely overwhelming. And I slowly just like lost myself in that relationship. you know, and there were moments where I would try and kind of check in with myself, and I realized that I needed something I needed to do something I needed to get out of the house because really was not having a lot of contact with people anymore um, because he was just so jealous and insecure that everybody I talked to was plotting against him somehow <laughs> and yeah. um and I started running, and it was ugly it was so bad um because like I said I was I wasn't I didn't consider myself an athletic person um but I had this like sadness and this like desperation to like okay this is not how I saw things going but this is the reality of the situation and and who who am I going to be and what kind of decisions am I going to make for myself and for whatever reason I connected that with running and, um, there's something really powerful to me about running where it's like, your brain is telling you, your body's telling you like, this is uncomfortable for me, or this, this is a challenge for me. And your brain keeps telling you, okay, well keep going anyways. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and I found some hope in that. and I found some power in that. Um, and at that point I wasn't running, you know, these long distances, I was running like two and three miles and feeling, like that was a lot, um, but it was enough of a push to kind of be like, if I, if I can run this as someone who's never run before, then, then maybe I can push myself a little farther in other areas of my life. Um, you know, so that's, that's really where it started. And that's kind of what gave me the hope. Um, didn't you
0: running gave you the power to make that decision? Because in the end you did leave, didn't you?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, I actually remember um, it was right after there was an incident where he had hurt me pretty badly, and, um, and I got up the next day, and I looked in the mirror, and I had um, bruises around my neck, and my eyes were bloodshot, um, and I did not look like the person that I knew that I was, and I went for a run, because I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't know, I didn't, I was in so much emotional pain that that like the only way to like, you know, unleash some of that pain, just a a little bit of it was to run. And, um, and I remember running and being like, I I have to leave. Like I cannot have this happen to me again. I am not, I'm not going to die like this, you know, I'm not going to die a victim. And, um, and I need to leave. And I remember thinking that throughout my run and, um, And slowly I would start running and I would start thinking of things that I could do to slowly back myself out. Cause I knew that if I just, you know, got up and left in the middle of the night, um, I just didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. Um, So I I slowly started making a plan. Um, I started Googling and and researching. Um, I had worked in the field, so I did have a couple resources, but I, I wasn't really open with people yet about what was happening for me. So it was really kind of this like secret thing that I was doing that I would plan out while I was running. Um, and eventually, you know, I, I did leave and, um, and that changed my life. So, so how <laughs> so long I'm did running it take? To for that.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So, how long did it take from hashing the plan to actually getting out?
1: Um, so I was really lucky where I had some connections and I was finally able to, to share what I was going through with somebody who happened to work in law enforcement. And, mm-hmm. um, I ended up Googling this man's name, the, the one that I was in a relationship with mm-hmm. and not a whole lot came up. But when my friend, um, <laughs> ran the record, um, there was an extensive record and he had an eight page long history of abusing other women. And I had no idea, wow. and, uh, no clue. And it was never something that crossed my mind to like look into. Um, but from there, I, you know, I had a really awesome friend who was able to kind of guide me through what I should do and what I, I needed to do to get out safely. Um, and, and it took about a month and a half and I had to make the decision that um, that I was gonna leave my physical home and I was gonna leave the pots, the pans, the pitchers, the Christmas ornaments, the um, everything. I was gonna leave it and I was gonna put what I could in my car and, and just go. And, um, and I left and it was, I think it was probably the most terrified that I've ever been. Um, I
0: can only there were a lot
1: of moments where I thought maybe I should just turn around. Um, there were a lot of moments where I was like, what am I doing? You know, I'm crazy. Uh, and then there were some moments where I missed him because I think, um, what people don't realize is that, yeah, it is physical, but there's a lot of emotional and mental abuse. Um, and he would tell me all the time, you know, if, if you leave, you're, you have nothing without me and you are nothing without me and you will never be anything. And, um, and I believed that for a really long time. Um, but honestly through running and really pushing myself and getting to know myself. I, I came to believe that I could be more than that. Um, you know, and, and that's really what kept me moving forward. Right. Is like yeah. when I'm running, there's this moment where it's like, I want to stop, but you don't, you know, and you just keep moving and, and there were so many moments in, in that scenario where I wanted to stop and I knew I just had to keep going forward. Um, no matter how painful it was and and it was incredibly painful but you know it it led to something bigger and better um so you know I'm I'm grateful every single day that I was able to leave
0: yeah so 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 you left you put all your whatever you could fit into your car yeah well, then you said you ended up sleeping in your car was was yeah. family not an option
1: yeah so um so when the incident had happened where he had hurt me, um, my ex-husband ended up uh, taking over custody of the children that I had. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that's really delicate, but I know that I did the best possible thing I could do for my children. And I signed over my my rights and I gave him guardianship of Um, my kids until I could get back on my feet because I just felt like if I had to leave suddenly, um, I wasn't going to be able to do it with four kids and we didn't have anywhere to go. And I had, you know, I didn't have a savings account. I I had literally nothing. Um, He was very financially abusive as well. Um, So any money that I was able to save, you know, he ended up pocketing and I have no idea what happened with that, but, so I just had no resources so I ended up leaving my kids with my ex-husband um, my mom ended up helping with my kids because there are four of them so you know it was a handful um, and and I wasn't really ready to be open with people um, because I had had a couple friends who were like well I don't understand why don't you just leave or um, or just kick him out and for me it was never that simple um, there's a lot of layers um, that That go into it, so I really didn't have support. So I ended up sleeping in my car, um, and at that point it was in April. It was the beginning of April, so it was still kind of cold. and And where I ended up going um, was Western Mass, and it's very cold still there, and there was still snow on the ground. And in the middle of the night, I would have to wake up and turn the car on and put the heat on and leave it on, and then turn it off and then go back to sleep. And I was literally parking at rest stops and sleeping there and then getting up and driving. Cause I just, I had, I had nothing, you know, yeah. I left everything behind. Um, but I, I did have this small amount of hope that if I just kept going, that that something eventually would fall into place. And, um, and I ended up finding, getting connected with someone who, knew of a domestic violence agency, and I ended up going into a shelter there. And um, and from there, it gave me... I hadn't slept on on a mattress or, like, a real bed for two months. Um, I was literally eating food that you could just pick up at the gas station um, or, like, just eat in your car because I had nowhere to, like, cook food or anything. Um, and it gave me a safe place to be until I was able to get my life together. And, and I got a, you know... A, job at Dunkin Donuts and it wasn't my favorite and I didn't love it but it was what I needed at the time to get me through it's what I call a get well job <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you're surrounded by donuts right come on <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I would get out of work and I would go for a run and, um, and try and just figure out who I wanted to be what I wanted my life to look like and basically the steps that it was going to take to get me there. And, um, and I worked my ass off and I ended up getting a small apartment in a not so great city, but it was cheap and it was mine and it was my own place. And, um, I had seen, seen like an ad for like the sheriff's department hiring. And, um, and at that point, I, I needed something. I needed something to look forward to. I needed something to push myself. Um, and getting into any kind of correctional facility is, is a bit of work. I mean, there's a process that you have to go to, go through. And um, it's pretty physically demanding. And I felt like this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to go for. And this is what I have as a goal. And I ended up getting in. Wow. and. Yeah. And I, I felt, I remember the first day that I I got onto the pod that I was working on and it was all men. And I remember sitting there and it hitting me and being like, I'm this girl who sleeps in her car, who slept in her car. Like, how did I get here? Um, a step at a time though. That's how I got there, you know? Um, and, and things just kind of came together from there I ended up you know uh after what was it felt like forever but after some time I did get custody back of my kids they did come to live with me and things just changed and my life started looking different and my runs started getting longer and it just it changed my life Um, you know, and one thing that I do have to say about like running is that it it gave me all these tools that I didn't even know that I had, you know, um, accountability, um, determination, um, staying consistent, um, taking it a mile at a time, you know, like when I look at my long runs, I don't look at like, oh my gosh, I have to do this all right now. I I take it a mile at a time and and I go from there. So that was kind of, what I had to, um, to do in in life. Well, when we talked
0: on the phone, you
1: said something
0: incredibly powerful, something that I actually wrote down and I'm probably going to quote from you. Do you remember what that was?
1: (laughs) About uh, running being a coping skill. I think that I can take anywhere. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's really been such a powerful tool. Um, you know, I, I carry a pair of sneakers in my car, so, so that I can just take them out and go if I want to. Literally, um, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like a lot of people don't know the gift of running.
0: Um,
1: I, I wish agree. they did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. there's so yeah. much power in it. Yeah. So, um, you you no longer work at the correctional facility right now, right?
1: Um, nope. You- no, I, look, I work at a hospital now and okay. um, I patrol there and it's right now we have a COVID positive psych unit and we have a COVID drive-through <laughs> uh, clinic and we have a shelter across the street, a detox to one side and um, an adolescent psych unit on a different floor. So we're always busy, but um, you know, it, it's a community and it's a population of people that I think are really need the most support. Um, and, you know, when I'm working and responding to calls, it's one of those things where I can see a piece of myself and, and a lot of these people. And, um, and it's, it's good to be able to have the tools to know how to, how to help in a lot of situations, or at least be someone that can listen. Because a lot of times people don't actually want you to solve their problems. They just want you to bear witness to their mess.
0: And, yeah uh, exactly. So just listen, right? And just be there. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned that you started helping women in similar your previous similar situations.
1: Yeah. so so bit? when I so when I got out of this abusive relationship, um, I realized that it was something that I held a lot of shame for, but it wasn't my shame to hold on to. And I realized that, um, in not talking about it for me anyways, um, I just didn't want to continue carrying that stigma, um, that I think domestic violence has. So I started talking about it openly on Facebook (laughs) and it was scary. Um, but I remember my first post and talking about like, this is what has happened to me in the past year. Um, and this is what I learned because I think that, you know, we all make mistakes or we all go through something. And, and the most important thing is what we can, what, what we take away from it and, and what we learn and how it, how it changes us or affects us. And I needed it to be something that I went through for a purpose. And, and for me, that purpose was to be available to other women who are going through the same thing that I went through. Um, and through Facebook, I've had, quite surprising amount for me, um, of women who have reached out and have said, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going through this situation right now and and I'm not ready to leave, but I think that I will be soon. And can you help me? Or I've had women say, I am ready to leave tomorrow. What do, how do I do that? Or what does that look like? Um, or women who have said, "I, I think I'm in an abusive relationship, but I'm not sure, but this is what's happening for me. Um, And, and it's been a gift to be able to say, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen for you, or I, I don't know, I can't fix your life, but I do know that you are not alone and you're not going through this alone and, and whatever I can do and however I can be available, um, for you, I'm willing to do. And, um, it's been this thing that I've quietly kind of done and I've helped, helped a good amount of women get into programs across the state um some across the country actually um I helped women figure out how to pack up and quietly walk away from their relationships or how to get into treatment or just even the courage to tell their families because sometimes that's that's a big thing too is um people have this expectation that once you're you know or this idea that your relationship is supposed to be perfect and everything's supposed to be great and that's what it looks like on social media, but that's not the reality of it. And, and it's okay to talk about that and it's okay and it doesn't mean you're a failure and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you and you're not stupid. And, um, you know, we, we trusted someone that we shouldn't have trusted and, and they took advantage. And, and at the end of the day, that's not on us, that's on them, you know, and, and that's really important to, to let people know. I
0: love I love that you took your experience and turned it into something positive you know I and that running had something to do with it frankly I I love your story I I think you're an, a remarkable person incredibly inspiring Thank you. and um I hope that people find women who are going through this find you and that you're going to continue to in, do your work in helping them
1: Yeah. So I actually, um, I keep my Facebook pretty private, but I do allow people, um, to like add me. Um, I think that even just knowing that there's someone out there, even if they don't ever reach out to me, knowing that there's someone out there who's like been through it and knows, and there's no judgment. Um, I think having that connection is even just important to know that there's someone in the corner rooting for them. Um, so I do invite people to add me on Facebook or follow me. Um, and definitely if, anybody is going through a situation like that, they can reach out. Um, I am really blessed with a lot of connections in the community now and in other communities. Um, I've been able to speak um, in front of young people and at colleges um, and in small groups about you know, my experience and, and through that I've met a lot of other fantastic women who work for the DA's office or work for police departments or work in, you know, uh, children and family service or social workers. Um, and all have, you know, and we kind of all share, um, our resources and we are able to kind of just be this amazing group of women who helps other women.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, I loved, um, hearing your story and you tell and being so open about it because I think as we talked in our previous conversation, being open about something like this opens doors to more support because if nobody knows you're going through this, there's no way of getting support, right? So I think the, the world in general has become more open about these kinds of topics and the conversation is there and people shouldn't be afraid to open up if, they, if it's safe to do so. So I, yeah, I, the absolutely. more you can, the more you can share, the, the the more support you will get.
1: Absolutely, and it's even just taking that first step, um, which can I think sometimes is the scariest part. Is saying like, "Hey, I am going through this too." It, you know, I've I've had moments where that has been the hardest thing because um, once you acknowledge a problem, it's like, "Oh, wow, it's it's real," you know. Yeah. Um, but we are very lucky where there isn't as much stigma, I think that there's just not enough people who are willing to say I've been through this and, uh, and I can tell you that it gets better. And, um, and it's okay to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so where are you now? You told me that you had a life, uh, life uh, moment, a life event in December. You wanna tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so me and my kids moved into our first house, and oh my gosh. we were so excited. And I, <laughs> I remember the night we moved in, and I just sat on the floor. There's no furniture, and I just sobbed because it's like I was this weird chick that slept in her car, and you know, and brushed your teeth in her front seat. And I slept in a shelter, and life was really hard for me, um, yeah. as it is for a lot of a lot of people, you know, who go through this and I would dream about the day that my life would get better and that I would have a safe place for me and my kids that no one could take away from us and, you know, where we could just be ourselves. And, um, and I was able to find that and I was able to provide that for my kids. And, uh, and that's, and I really believe, and it sounds silly if you're not a runner, but I really believe it was, it was running that gave me that first initial push to be like, you can do this, Emily, you got this.
0: Yeah, completely. So speaking of running, what was your first race and did it go as expected?
1: So my first race was actually um, through the nonprofit organization that, um, that helped me and, that was through the, the shelter, um, okay, and yeah, so that's, it was, uh, 5k, and at that point, I was, I was running three miles, but I'd never run, like, a public race before, and I was so nervous, and I didn't know what to expect, and I ran it by myself, because, um, I didn't really know anyone around in that area, and, um, remember being like, this is three miles, this feels terrible. (laughs) Um, but I did it and I completed it. And um and there were all I was just it was a hot chocolate run and it was in you know in in the winter time. And I remember just feeling like wow, like I I accomplished something and um, you know, now I obviously am running a little longer and, and runs feel different for me. But at the time it was this huge accomplishment because um i just been so broken and i really had trouble believing in myself and um and it gave me this like sense of accomplishment and purpose and it made me feel like i was a real runner
0: <laughs> yeah totally right that sort of flips the script a little bit you're like you run through a finish line and you you actually put on them did they have like a medal or something
1: yeah they get well they did um a hot chocolate and a hat i think it was got it and got i it. still have the mug yeah so <laughs>
0: It's still a reward, you know, and that that sort of um, makes racing so special is like you. So, okay, let me ask you this. What's your favorite part about racing? Because I'm sure you've you've done other races since then, have you?
1: Yeah. So um, I think my favorite part is just being able to run with people who like get it. Cause I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't have a lot of people in my life that love running the way that I do, or have this like soulful connection with it. I um, do now, but I didn't. Yeah, really <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I don't have a lot of people that like love running the way that I love running, and it was so nice to just be surrounded by people that were there for the same reason that you were. And, you know, for the majority of us, it's not about finishing first. It's about finishing um, and doing it for yourself, you know. And, um, and it felt nice to be surrounded by people who got that. And it, and it didn't matter that I was this girl that slept in my car. It didn't matter that I was this girl whose boyfriend used to beat her up. Because uh, they didn't see me like that. I mean, they didn't know. But I was a runner. I wasn't anything else. I wasn't a victim. Right.
0: So. Are you training for something right now? I mean,
1: um. No, I, oh, I, was, spo- I was supposed to <laughs> I was supposed to do a half marathon uh, for Mother's Day and then that got canceled so I did it by myself um, and now I'm just trying to I don't know I'm, I'm just trying to enjoy where I'm at I'm finally getting to a pace where I feel like comfortable at and feel like oh okay I got this you know so
0: and, uh, and you, you did a race on your own you did 13.1 miles by yourself that's pretty impressive
1: yeah, I was like, because I was super bummed. Um, so I was like, I got to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it. You do it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: so what, has you, what, what has been your proudest moment in life and in running?
1: Um, hmm. I think my proudest moment in running, and I don't really remember when this happened, but there was some point where it stopped feeling like a chore or it stopped feeling like, um, like I was constantly dying and it just kind of became like a part of who I was. Um, and, and that was really like a, wow, you know, I found my thing. And in terms of life, I think there have been so many small moments that have been up to you know that have led up to larger moments but I think right now the biggest thing is finally just been able to find our our corner of the universe for me and the kids you know they they went through a lot too and they didn't see it or experience it the way that I saw it or experienced it but um you know they have their own story and being able to just be safe and happy and and be who we want to be in life um is such an achievement because I think that a lot of people focus on, on the material things that they can have and they and they put their happiness second and you yeah. know right now I'm in this really happy great joyful place and I like who I am when I get up in the morning and I feel confident and running makes me feel powerful um, so you know being being in the spot where I finally feel like okay this is this is where I'm at and life is good. Um, it's an achievement for me.
0: Yeah. I just got goosebumps. I love that. So what would you tell someone who's struggling and thinks that running is for other people?
1: I always tell people if I can run, um, that they can run. Uh, me um, too. <laughs> it's like I just, I cannot harp on like how unathletic I was. Um, and it's just, it's all, for me, it's been a mental journey, you know. Um, your body will eventually get there, um, but it's just believing that, that you can do it and having the determination to push yourself a little bit harder than than you normally would. Um, I think that, that if you're determined enough and, and if you really are feeling like you have no place to put this – energy and you don't know where to put it put it towards running you know and and see how far i can get you and i think that a lot of people would be surprised how far they can go
0: (laughs) i know i I completely agree i I feel like don't knock it till you try it right because i used to be that person that said well why would i be running i'd only be running if i'd be chased you know yeah yeah i was like there's no way i was like you completely unathletic and um completely 180 it, you know, for different reasons, but the yeah. impossible, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And
1: uh, anything anything is really possible. And I, I know that's such like a cheesy saying and um, you know, obviously I'm not gonna become an astronaut tomorrow. But I think that like um determination is something and like willpower is something that is like so underestimated. But people are really powerful and and I think that they don't even realize how much they have inside them. And, and, and when you get the opportunity to push yourself, I think that's where you really find your power. And, um, and I hope that people are willing to try that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Emily, you're an amazing inspiration for so many women and men who are dealing with similar issues that you had gone through in your uh, history, in your life. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and be on my podcast with me and i hope we stay in touch i would love to you know maybe we'll meet at a race one of these days that would be super fun that would be
1: incredible
0: right so maybe we'll get all the podcast guests together uh one of these days and we'll we'll do a race together
1: yeah sign me up for that i'm there
0: Thank you so much for joining me and have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. And thank uh, you. You too. We'll be in touch. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of I quit blank and started running. Is Emily not the most beautiful soul? Not only do I admire her for her superhuman strength and determination, but she's just been so cheerful and positive every time I've spoken with her. I couldn't be happier for her to be reunited with her kids, living in their own home until what we can only wish for them to be happily ever after. If you're dealing with abuse or domestic violence and would like to connect with Emily on Facebook, you can find her under her username Emma Lee. That is L-E-I-G-H. If you've had challenges or obstacles in your life that you've conquered by getting into running, we would love to hear your story. To enter, just email us at quitxstartrunning at gmail.com with a brief introduction and an overview of your story. We look forward to receiving your submissions. Some final wrap-up notes before we go now. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Antonia de Heinrich. That is A N T O N I A D E H E I N R I C H. And on the I Quit X and Started Running Facebook page. To subscribe to this podcast, simply go to iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whichever your favorite podcast listening platform may be. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to welcoming you to my next episode on Monday, June 1st. Whoa, June. Is it really already June? Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.